Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Severed Angel, the deluxe edition of the self-titled debut album, available now. Pick up your copy today over at SeveredAngel.com. Available on all streaming media platforms. Severed Angel, get ready to ride the dogs of war. Welcome to Screams from the Grave. We're back. Finally. Lou, yes. Lou Mavs joined by the great Greg Noggle. How are you, sir? I'm excellent. How are you? Good. So um, I think a little context. Uh, we haven't done a Screams from the Grave episode in I can't remember when. And, yeah. you know, one day Greg and I were having a conversation. We're like, why don't we bring it back? I'm like, I didn't realize it was gone. So... <laughs> And this was always been one of my favorite parts about doing Rat Style Review is discovering bands that I've never heard of or going back and discovering Lost Gems. And this episode, we're actually going to concentrate on a band that Greg recommended who released one EP and two full lengths in the 80s. And I had never heard of this band, but I'm glad Greg turned me on to them. And hopefully some of you out there know who they are. This band from Germany by the name of Cuddy Sark. So, Greg, you take over because you're the subject matter expert on Cuddy Sark. Go ahead. Well, they, I'm going to call them the incomparable Cuddy Sark, but uh, they, they were a German band that formed around 1977-1978. And um, they ended up independently releasing their EP in 83, uh, Hard Rock Power which got the attention of Mausoleum Records, who then uh, re-released the EP and then uh, gave them the opportunity to do two full-length albums. And then after that, to be quite honest, um, you know, I've been planning this for a while. I've been trying to find information, even asking musicians I know in Germany. Couldn't find any of the members and couldn't really find anything about the band other than they disbanded after their third album and uh, eventually did a reunion album in the late 90s. But nobody seems to know anything. But what always enthralled me about them is they were a real good hard rock and heavy metal band, but they didn't take that easy route at the time and emulate either Scorpions or Accept, who were arguably the two biggest names in germany that during that time period right and this is before destruction creator and uh sodom uh yeah and and it's even before uh the teutonic power metal type stuff 
Oh, it, Halloween. It, it, <laughs> well, I was thinking more Storm Witch, Grave Digger, Ostrogoth, oh, which I, w- I would say they arguably have more in common with than Halloween. And one of the cool things I thought about them was they took influences from kind of everywhere, everything that was going on at the time. Like uh, the first EP, Hard Rock Power, is very primitive, and you can hear some ACDC even in there. And on the later ones, as they grew into more complex songwriting and playing new wave or British heavy metal type stuff, even uh, Maiden-esque and Judas Priest with some of the guitar lines. But although they took that opportunity to grow, I would argue that they really didn't sound like anybody else. I mean, they were very much of that heavy metal time period, but they didn't go out of their way to be like a Judas Priest Jr. or something like that. They didn't, but I could definitely hear sort of a heavy influence of, I would say, point of entry era type Judas Priest, which I mean that as a compliment because I love that album. Um, I definitely heard a little Diamond Head Lighting to the Nations type influence on there in terms of like the catchiness of their hooks um when i actually when we go into each album uh <laughs> i i actually said you know it's funny anvil was the band that people say should have been great but never had the chance i say cuddy sark sounds like a band that should have been great but no one's ever heard of them exactly and it's like that's really unfair because this is some pretty good stuff. So oh, it is. It, it's catchy. Um, and, you know, as they move along, as we talk about the albums, it builds in emotion. And dude, the songs are really beautifully crafted, even on the original EP, Hard Rock Power. Pretty much. I mean, like for an album that pretty much sounded like it was recorded on little to no budget, the songwriting skill is there. And, you know, me as as a guitarist and a songwriter, that's of the most important uh, factors for me liking a band. You know, I mean, all the skills in the world are great, but if you can't write a song with your skills, you're, you know, you're not worth your weight in salt. So I definitely think Cuddy Sark had that. They definitely did. And... Um, you know, uh, Connie Schmidt, the vocalist, uh, definitely very German, but also very unique. Yeah, really unique. Um, I, I was trying to think of who I could compare him to. And I was like, I, re- I really can't, you know, I mean, and, and I really tried very hard to stay away to deviate from the acceptance uh, Scorpions comparisons, because obviously we know when you think of 70s, early 80s, German hard rock metal, you can't help but think of those two. But, you know, sure. he didn't sound like Udo. He didn't sound like Klaus. He he had his own um, style and swagger about him. Um, I would say probably his voice, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it influenced more of like the American metal singers, which uh, I'm sorry to say it, American metal bands. A lot of you did steal your shit from Germany. Let's face facts. Not all of you, but a lot of, uh, but a lot of you did. Oh, certainly. And um, as a matter of fact, you know, we can just start jumping into the the first release, the Hard Rock Power EP, right here. But the funny thing is, I have a lot of friends in Germany, and who I talk to about them, 
kind of barely remembered, had this slight inkling of, yeah, you know, I think I remember seeing them opening for other bands, or I kind of remember Die Tonight, because, um, which is funny, because arguably Heroes, the third LP, is their most accomplished, I would say, songwriting-wise, but I guess Die Tonight, the first full album, had more push from Mausoleum Records behind it, who admittedly was not a very good record label at all, but they actually released a single for um, Die Tonight. But anyway, um, everyone I know that loves them and has heard of them and says, oh yeah, you know, that, that first EP, that hard rock power that really influenced what we were doing when we started in the 80s are all American bands. Interesting. All right, cool. Well, let's start with the EP Hard Rock Power. Uh, first track is the title track, Hard Rock Power. Um, I thought it was a good opening track. I could picture hearing it at the local drive-in burger joint with fast cars and 80s girls. Good times. Um, I, I wouldn't know. I was in my single digit ages in the 80s. Okay, I'm 42 now. Give me a break. I'm trying to be, you know, entertaining over here for you people. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Music reminds me of, like I said, uh, early 80s Judas Priest, more like point of entry era, bef obviously before Screaming for Vengeance. And I really liked it. Catchy chorus. And, uh, you know, I I think Uva, the guitarist, definitely got better as a soloist with every release. But here you can tell he's still trying to find his voice. But, you know, I, I give him credit. He does a He does a decent job. Certainly. Um, he, he does do a really good job. And. It's funny how super catchy this song is. And as I was re-listening to all these and thinking about it, the title track specifically, I mean, I love that primitive power and how, while it is mostly hard rock, hang on, I've, I got this written down here. Um, you know, it's almost like one of those gut punch arena songs. But um, while they were also incorporating... Point, point of entry Judas Priest is is a good one into it. I feel it almost has like a ACDC type arena rock um, element to it where the Young Brothers, after Flick of the Switch, this is the direction they should have taken on Fly on the Wall. I mean, they out ACDC the Young Brothers on this tune. I did like the album Fly on the Wall, but I, I, I could see that. Um, Fire and Ice, so far, great melodic chops i mean that's definitely their strong point oh yeah that's and that's a really good slow burner song too with the way it builds up and well i mean they formed in 77 this was 83 so obviously they had some time to work on it and while it's not super complex that's kind of the first inkling of them building like multi-emotional parts to a song i feel like yeah yeah i i could definitely see that and you know there, there's a progression you know you, you you definitely hear that um the dice this is probably my favorite track on the ep uh totally picks up the pace and you know you definitely hear the the influence from new Eva british heavy metal in here and you know definitely unlike their contemporaries because you know let's let's face it at this point except in scorpions were at their more popular uh, most popular point or at least they were on their way to major international uh, breakout um, they definitely hold their own on this track 
Oh, certainly. I mean, I would honestly, and it does have a big new wave of British heavy metal sound to it. I'd put this right up there with what Diamond Head and Blitzkrieg were doing around that time period. It's it's my favorite song on the EP. I mean, it's just uh, ferocious, and then it's super catchy on top of it too. Yeah, and then the the final track is Attack. I, I'm <laughs> oddly enough. Being that this came out in 83, a year before Power Slave, I was like, wait a minute. Did Maiden rip this off with Two Minutes to Midnight? <laughs> all right, all right. So, yeah, that, that that's a yes. Um, regardless, I thought it was a killer closer. I, I always wondered that because the Peace of Mind tour was so big in Germany. I'm like, did Adrian Smith hear this at some point? <laughs> Considering that the final uh, uh, show of the Peace of Mind tour was uh the Westfall Holland in uh Dortmund yeah so yeah. probably <laughs> <laughs> Adrian if you're watching this I love you you're one of my heroes but you know we're just calling it as it is <laughs> yeah totally I love you Adrian but uh this is definitely something you file under things that make you go hmm, hmm. <laughs> all right well moving on from the EP because it's four songs and we cover them is their first LP called Die Tonight. And so, so apparently the, the, the song itself, the title track was a single released in, in Europe. It was Die Tonight was released as a single on Mausoleum Records with, oh man, what was the B side? I have to look here. I think it might have been Hands Up. It was either Hands Up or Vultures in the Air, but I feel like it was Hands Up. Yeah, I'm familiar with Mausoleum Records because I, I I know that in the 80s, they actually released a five-song EP from the band uh, GMT, which was uh, Chris Glenn, formerly of uh, Alex Harvey Tribute. Oh, you're nodding. You know it. Okay, cool. Uh, former of the Alex Hardy band, uh, Harvey Band, the sensational Alex Harvey Band, um, Michael Schenker Group, and also with Robin McCauley, who would end up going to join Michael Shanker and MSG. Uh, the original drummer was Phil Taylor from Motorhead. That's what the GMT stands for. Um, and they had a, a five song EP out called War Games. One of the songs actually made it onto the Class of Newcomb High soundtrack. So that's how I first heard of Mausoleum. And um, also, I, if I recall correctly, I, I know they've released a lot of stuff, um, some stuff that my friend Mike Torelli of Holy Mother was also on. So, you know, again, a situation of a label that had notoriety, but where was the funding? <laughs> exactly. And a lot of metal labels were like that in the early 80s. I mean, you know, uh, Neat Records out of the UK is, is you re and remembered as one of like the leaders of the new wave of British heavy metal as far as physical releases went at the time on a major label because there was a ton of tape trading but they didn't put a lot of money or any real push behind most of their bands I mean uh, you know Venom Welcome to Hell that's the demo tape they didn't remix it or anything they just took the demo tape they gave them and put it not, not that Venom really learned how to play the instrument <laughs> years later but i do love welcome to hell but um how i discovered mausoleum though was there's a band called black axe originally that released a i want to say just a single 
on Neat at the time, which was Highway Rider with a song called Red Lights on the B side. And through looking through a bunch of old magazines, I want to say it was Kerrang! I ended up finding out they changed their name to Wolf a few years later and finally had their debut released on Mausoleum Records. Mm. And that's how I found the record label and started going back through everything from there. And eventually we'll probably do that Wolf album too, because I really like that one. Cool. So starting with the opening track on Die Tonight, a song called Stupid Lies. How do you top your previous opening track? You blast the doors down and deliver the killer track, Stupid Lies. How they were not represented by a bigger label like a Metal Blade or a Road Racer or even Noise is beyond me. People could say Anvil is the band does it for greatness that missed their chance. I'm just repeating myself again. But I think it's important to notice. I think this could have been the band destined for greatness that the world missed out on. Oh, certainly. I agree 100%. I mean, this is a full-blown metal classic, really. Stupid Lies is just a barn burner. Then you go into the title track, which is great. It's catchy. Vultures in the Air, which progresses through different feelings, you know. And you have the vinyl, I see. And yep. unfortunately, this material is out of print. It's being hidden by the blue screen. That's okay. But uh, he, he does have it. Um, unfortunately, the stuff's out of print. And, you know, you could probably find it for not a cheap price on uh, Discogs or um, Amazon. But, you know, we prefer you go to Discogs. Don't give Jeff Bezos any more money. Anyway. Well, uh, it, if, if you're looking for them, the two albums, Die Tonight and Heroes, if you don't want the vinyl, they were re-released on CD in 2019 for a pretty affordable price. But even if you're going after the albums, you can get them all around 19 to 27 bucks or so. That's pretty good. Yeah. But you got to pay for that shipping from Europe. <laughs> and we know that ain't cheap. Uh, track two, Die Tonight, the title track. All right. Now, when I say this, I mean this as this could have been such a such a, a metal classic that mainstream fans w should know about. I think this is a song so good that Except could have done it. Yep. Like it's on par with anything Except has done. It, it certainly is. I, I mean, it would have been right at home on even though it was later than this album, but Metal Heart. And, and quite frankly, if you want to talk, even though it was before, but priest hits from British Steel, you know, Living After Midnight or, uh, oh God, what was the other song? I'm drawing a blank. Breaking the Law. Mm -hmm. I, just as catchy and musically better than those, really. Yeah, I mean, I liked uh, British Steel, but I'm definitely burnt down on it. But this was definitely refreshing for me. Um, Vultures in the Air. I was not expecting this. Um it, it feels like point of entry era priests having a love child with Dio era Sabbath and giving us this gem. There's just something about Uva's guitar work on it that I was like, I, I, I was not expecting it. I just feel like it came completely out of left field. And I can assure you, I think this is definitely the best song on the album. It's my favorite. It's it's my favorite as well. I'd put it right up there We're with children. Two for two now, Greg. That's yep. crazy. <laughs> we did not discuss this before we went on camera, by the way. Nope, not at all. Yeah, uh, but I mean, it it comes out at you with 
just that emotion to it and the, that complexity yet catchiness of something like children of the sea from heaven and hell mm -hmm. I, mean, I was i was thinking more sign of the southern cross i don't know why but like i definitely got you know vibes of that from this track oh de um sound wise i would definitely agree with you i just feel it's a little more dynamic like children of the sea is i mean I sign of the southern cross is a good tune but it doesn't quite hit all those different notes that uh children of the sea does fair enough uh next track jam to the ramp um i'm gonna flat out say i'm really mad at myself for not knowing about cutty stark sooner <laughs> <laughs> i mean this is like the perfect tune to, to go skateboarding to you know possibly yeah yeah um next track hands up these guys do driving fast hard rock very well. I'm I'm convinced that they are like the German equivalent to Diamond Head. Just killer music that it's it's sad that you only hear about their greatness from other like-minded fans. Like it, it saddens me that you'll never hear about them in the mainstream press. Uh, I mean, fuck Rolling Stone anyway, but like you know, if they said 10 best German bands of all time and I don't think that Cuddy Stark would even be a footnote on there. And I think that's disgraceful. Not that I really care about Rolling Stone, but, you know, it's obvious it's, they don't do their research. It, totally. I mean, uh, like the German bands I was talking about before, especially on the, the song Hands Up, um, you can totally hear what Stormwitch took from it. And you'll mm -hmm. always see Stormwitch on the list of top bands, but I don't even think Cuddy Sark got mentioned in Kerrang, which is just a shame because Uwe's guitar playing is just amazing. And I love Connie's vocals. I yeah. mean, they get so haunting on this release. He they up the ante crazily. You know, if we ever get Mick Wall uh, back on uh Rot Side Review, I'd like to ask him about uh cuddy sark because you know his 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 knowledge of of bands at the time it, it to this day it's still so immense like you know just his his memory on things and manny and i had a great time interviewing him but i'd like to ask him if he remembered cuddy sark it, that'd be awesome actually i would love to hear his opinion and i hope he does remember them yeah <laughs> um Although, although you did admit on the show that you did a lot of the blow back then, sir. So I hope your memory is still intact. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Mick is cool. I love that guy. Um, October Holidays. What a great instrumental track. And I have to give credit to whoever produced this, the rawness of it. It just makes it work perfectly. Uh, and, and, you know, as I mentioned, Uva's soloing is not the greatest. Um, but, you know, for the songs, he he does a great job. And by the time the third album comes, you hear such great improvement and confidence in his skills as a lead guitarist. Um, as a songwriter and a riff writer, 10 out of 10 for me. Oh, certainly. And even though the solos might not be quite the complexity they are on the next album at this point, he really matches the mood and plays for the song well here, yes. which is... One thing I will say, though, I try to avoid comparisons to Scorpions or except 
he really does remind me of Ulrich Roth here on this album a lot because he met not in his playing style, but how he matches the feel to the song. And it's not super flashy, but it's meaningful. Definitely. Uh, Down and Out, I thought it was a filler track. Okay, at best. Yeah, this is the one tune on here I really am not a big fan of. I want to, I want to say so badly I love everything on this album because it is such a good record. This song's just kind of there. It's yeah. not bad, but you're not going to remember it, really. No, but the next track, the final track on the album, Burning Ashes, um, it kind of reminds me of this band out of Canada called White Wolf. They had a, a song called uh, Standing Alone, and I immediately took to it because I'm a really big fan of that song. So I, I really liked it. If there's anyone out there that remembers uh, White Wolf, they were a Canadian band. I think they were out of Alberta, but yeah, I mean really good track to close the album with oh yeah i actually it's funny i didn't even think of white wolf but you're right <laughs> oh god but that's there... one of my favorite songs on the record too it's a, it's a great closing track yep and moving on to that is their second full-length album their final of the 80s uh an album called heroes all right now like, this is what I ask for out of bands that I listen to. Please progress on your next album. You don't have to get more technical. You don't have to get, you know, with the times. You don't have to, you know, sound like every other band that's out there at the time. Just become better at your craft, which first and foremost, primarily should be songwriting. And Jesus Christ, does it shine here? Um, opening track, Firebird. Uva's soloing and phrasing has improved greatly by this point. And Jesus, is this a face melter? You know, it's still a bit pitchy in some areas, but I can forgive it because the passion of the of the band itself overtakes any flaws that, that are there. Certainly. You can tell they totally believed in this and they worked hard to do it. I mean, the improvement, even though both albums are great, just in the songwriting and in the playing ability is just amazing on this record. And I would put them right up there with Defenders Era Priest, you know, as a band that should have been known, should have been out there touring the world because Firebird is just as good as any of the singles that were out at that time. Definitely. Uh, next track is the title track, Heroes. You know, I got. I, I have to admit, mid-paced songs seem to be their forte. Um, this one's not a disappointment at all. No, it's a very good track. Very uh, catchy, too, actually. Yeah. Now, um, yeah, this is where I get snobby. I apologize in advance. Uh, Do Come True. Again, I hear a little Iron Maiden here with the opening riff sounding like Twilight Zone, but it's a bit of a boogie track, so I guess it's to be expected with that style of playing, and it rocks anyways. It really does, but th this is one of the few tracks on this album where I would definitely say the guitar lines are Maiden-esque. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's because... Like, it's like, Maiden, is... you ripped us off, this time we rip you off. Right. <laughs> It's it's like because that's how heavy metal was developing, though. You know, it's it almost sounds like they heard Power Slave 
Hey, man, that's pretty. <laughs> Wait a second. What's his loss? Anyways. Uh, <laughs> uh, next track, Smell a Rat. I dig this a lot. Uh, it's got a ferocity to it. Um, there's consistency and improvement with the songwriting. And like I said, I think that's what any fan of a band would want. This song should have been a single. This is some of my favorite soloing from him. It's it's catchy, and the, the vocals even get haunting on this a little bit. Connie mm-hmm. really starts hitting some of them different notes. Definitely. Now, Soul to Kill. I'm convinced Cuddy Sark is the perfect soundtrack for an Italian road warrior knockoff exploitation film. And that is the highest compliment that I can give it, because I love me some Italian road, war expo- road warrior exploitation uh, films. <laughs> It does. I mean, you're right. And and it blows away pretty much any other tune in a lot of those uh, movies. Yeah, I mean, I, if I were to think of a, of, a, of a song that people would know of, um, I'd almost compare it to uh, Street Lethal by Racer X. And hmm. I love that track. So I, I love this track. Um. Love the world away. Now, if anyone is looking for Cuddy Sark on streaming media, good luck finding it. This is the only track you'll be able to find. Uh, it's it's impossible. Uh, but that being said, I think this is better than most ballads that a lot of the bands in the 80s were known for and popular for. Um, my exact notes were, uh, I'm really impressed with who was playing and tone. This is where I kind of hear similarities to Blackout Era Scorpions. And I love that album. So again, that's a uh, that's a compliment, not not a knock. Oh, de- definitely. Um, and I agree. And maybe it's just because it's a ballad. It's very well crafted ballad and precise, like something Scorpions would have do during that era. And what was that? I was thinking more of animal magnetism originally. Actually, that's what it was. Well, it's early '80s. Regardless, you know, it's like but, you know, after their you know, Love Drive came out before they, you know, took the world over with uh, no one like you. So, yeah, I, yeah. I can see that. Uh, but next, it, it really does a great job. I'm sorry, but uh, does a great job of again just building. Of the different moods and feels to the song and if this would have been released as a single i think it maybe not top the charts but it certainly would have been high up there in the top 10 i think on the hot rock charts in the 80s yeah i think that if there was a push behind it it would have been up there with vandenberg's burning heart you know like that's a yeah. song that they're still known for to this day so you know i i think if mausoleum put some funding behind it it could have it could have rated along with it, sure. All right, that that that's a timer, so we got to wrap up this episode. Okay, so we'll go through the next two songs. Um, Invitation to dance. Mickey Schmidt starts off the song with a machine gun sounding stare into a killer solo performance, before kicking into high gear, showcasing a true face melting metal track from Cuddy Sark, my favorite track on the album. I love it but it's my second favorite. The last one is actually my favorite. See, that's my least favorite. I thought Let's Go was my least favorite track on the album. <laughs> finally, finally, we don't agree. <laughs> Difference. 
Oh, we're, no. not, we're not a bunch of automatons on Rod Salad Review. <laughs> <laughs> There's just something about Let's Go. I mean, honestly, as much as I like it, it probably is the most basic track on the whole album. But it's just, it's it's catchy. It moves along in that groove. And it, it just reminds me of a lot of the one-off New Wave of British Heavy Metal singles. That's fine. I, 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 I personally thought that. I'm sorry. Were you done? Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, I thought that uh, "Burning to Ashes" was a better closing track. I think if "Invitation to Dance" was a closing track, it would have been perfect. But you know, it, it's still a killer filler track. So, um, so that wraps up Cuddy Sark. Uh, their '80s discography. Um, where are you, Cuddy Sark? If any of you are out there and you watch this, contact us. We'd love to have you on Rat Style Review. Please do. I would love to talk to you guys. You are probably the greatest mystery out of any band that I've loved because I can never find anything about Cuddy Sark. <laughs> well, we're hoping that uh, whoever watches this, if you know something, hit up in the comments below and you know, go to RatStyleReview.com, contact us that way. Find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Let's see if we can bring back some love for Cuddy Sark. All right? Definitely. Thanks for watching this episode of Screams from the Grave. This is Lou Mavs. That's Greg Noggle. Like and subscribe. Thanks for watching.